Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. I'm Colleen Witt. Join me, the host of Eating While Broke podcast, while I eat a meal created by self-made entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities over a meal they once ate when they were broke. Today, I have the lovely AJ Crimson, the official princess of Compton, Asia. Kidding, and Asia. This is The Professor. We're here on Eating While Broke, and today I'm going to break down my meal that got me through a time when I was broke. Listen to Eating While Broke on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. After 30 years, it's time to return to the halls of West Beverly High and hang out at the Peach Pit. On the podcast 90210OMG, visit Jenny Garth and Tori Spelling for a rewatch of the hit series Beverly Hills 90210 from the very beginning. We get to tell the fans all of the behind-the-scenes stories that actually happened. So they know what happened on camera, obviously, but we can tell them all the good stuff that happened off camera. Listen to 9021OMG on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rocket debris is going to come crashing to Earth sometime this weekend. Facebook is scrambling to keep Starbucks from leaving the platform over hate speech. And we're talking about how big tech is having a big impact on global sustainability efforts, and not in a good way. Damon Barris joins us. It's May 7th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Stephen LeConte. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. So Casey, I have a new favorite human on the planet. Who is it? Have you heard about this little boy who ordered almost $3,000 worth of SpongeBob SquarePants popsicles? <laughs> oh my God, yes. And then I didn't click on it because I was just laughing at the headline and I was like, relatable. <laughs> Okay, well, let me fill you in. It's honestly an incredible story. So he somehow got access to his mother's Amazon account. He ended up sending $2,600 worth of popsicles to her. And this is where it's like so crappy. Amazon will not refund the order. So there is a GoFundMe. The good news is the the GoFundMe not only um, got back the entire cost of the popsicles, but I think they ended up making like a few thousand dollars for this really cute little kid. And now he's got a shitload of SpongeBob popsicles as well. Okay, now I'm like really mad at Amazon though. <laughs> well, you know what, Casey? If you're mad at Amazon, this is going to be a, a, a fun podcast for you because basically the recurring theme of this podcast is going to be like big tech being a giant big piece of shit. And I was going to be like, I don't know how we got here to a tech day. And then I'm like, yeah, yes, I do. Everything we do is tech in this world. <laughs> I know. Well, we need to start off with the fact that uncontrolled rocket debris is expected to plunge to Earth sometime in the next few days. 
And the internet is coping by cracking jokes. Okay, so for background, the rocket debris is from China's Long March 5B rocket that was launched back on April 29th. After liftoff, a piece of the rocket typically separates and then falls into the ocean or like burns up in the atmosphere. That didn't happen this time. This chunk accidentally went into orbit. That means that the debris will land somewhere on Earth, but no one knows where. So TikTok has exploded with explainers, fancy charts and graphs, and general anxiety about that debris. But it's the jokes that have really stolen the show. TikTok user The Space Gals explainer videos are flooded with comments, including ones that state, quote, Bermuda Triangle, do your thing, and 2021 to 2020, hold my beer. (laughs) Okay, I've got two questions, Stephen. Go for it. One, oh, what? (laughs) Two, two, will the million dollar wine be coming down with it? That's a really good question. And if so, then I hope it lands on me. Oh, and by the way, we didn't even mention the fact the the piece of debris that's going to fall is 10 stories tall and 21 tons. Yeah, I mean, I'm like in that, the whole time you were reading this, I was just laughing. You know, that kind of like denial laughter you have? Yes, I I do a lot of that laughter lately, Casey. I just like don't even know how to respond to that because it's just like, I don't know. I'm just like hopeful. The planet is mostly water. Please land in the water. (laughs) Well, you know what? They keep saying it's very, very unlikely that it will hit like a major city. But Uh the thing is, in the year 2021, I'm not comforted by being told that something is unlikely (laughs) because we have just lived through a lot of unlikely events. Oh, truly, truly. Okay, so continuing on with our tech day. Facebook is worried Starbucks may delete its page over hateful comments. BuzzFeed News obtained internal discussions from Facebook employees who manage the company's relationship with Starbucks. They reveal Starbucks is fed up with the disgusting and disparaging comments that are left on any posts about their mission and values work, like sustainability or the Black Lives Matter movement. One exchange reads in part, quote, Starbucks is in the process of evaluating their organic presence on Facebook and whether they should continue to have a presence on the platform at all. Were Starbucks to actually leave, it would be one of the largest companies ever to sever ties with Facebook. And this isn't the first time Starbucks has had dust-ups over the platform's content moderation. Last year, Starbucks was one of hundreds of companies to stop advertising on Facebook as part of the Stop Hate for Profit campaign, which sought to pressure Facebook into taking a harder stance on racist and hateful content. Okay, so I have two thoughts here. First of all, a company like Starbucks doesn't need to be on Facebook Mm -mm. anyway, okay? Like, let's be real. Starbucks is not getting customers in the door because they're seeing, like, really incredible Facebook posts. Everyone knows about Starbucks. It's a part of their daily routine. They don't need to be on that website. The second thing I'll say is that Facebook is way too powerful, and it is exciting to see a major company like Starbucks stand up to them because I really do think that Facebook has such a level of unchecked power uh, that we need to start checking. No, 100%. And and having like a big company like make that stance is like it's saying something. And I like, you know, read like Facebook is scared. <laughs> yeah. As they should be. Yep. I mean, Casey, you and I work in digital media and we certainly have seen like Facebook is incredibly powerful over like our jobs. 100%. Facebook runs everything. And so I hope that they can maybe run a few less things. (laughs) Fingers freaking crossed. Them and Amazon. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, Zuckerberg. (laughs) Okay. So moving on. 
There are two kinds of people out there. Those of us that must have the newest and fastest phones and tablets the second they come out. And then there are those of us that will ride our existing tech into the ground using our iPhones until the screens are cracked and broken and we are no longer eligible for upgrades. But at the end of the day, we all buy new devices eventually because we're forced, because the companies want us to buy new instead of repairing old. And yes, that means we're suckered into spending extra money. But guess what? All of that old tech has to go somewhere, and that somewhere is usually a landfill. And it's really bad for the environment. Today, we're talking about this with Damon Barris. He co-founded the publication One Zero at Medium and recently wrote the essay, Your Smartphone Should Be Built to Last for the New York Times. Hi, Damon. Thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So we want to talk about your essay in which you're basically asking us to focus on the fact that when we buy the latest iPhone or iPad, for a lot of people, it just restarts the clock and we're counting down the moments till we buy the next upgraded model. And it's not just a waste of money. It's a big environmental issue. So can you set the stage for us? How much waste are we talking about annually? When you consider all of, you know, all electronic waste, there is something like 59 million tons of electronic waste generated every single year. Your iPhone is, you know, maybe just a small part of that. And, and Apple does do some recycling with its iPhones when things are turned back into, uh, you know, the Apple store or whatever. But this is a major issue. Like there is a ton of waste generated every year. Apple is shipping just millions upon millions upon millions of new devices every year, along with every other manufacturer, something like over a billion smartphones were shipped last year. And that was a slow year because of the pandemic. So there is a ton of electronic waste generated every single year. And obviously this is by design for these companies of us, you know, upgrading, they want to make money, but you know, it's also hard to digest because a company like Apple that is so progressive in so many ways is such a huge part of the problem. You write, quote, sustainability matters, but marketable design appears to matter more to these companies. So what have their sustainability efforts been so far? Does it seem pretty hollow? Yeah, you know, Apple likes to talk quite a lot about sustainability. And there are a couple of different realms of sustainability that we can think about here. So Apple, for example, has a lot of green energy commitments, which are great. But on the other hand, it is doing very little to actually reclaim and do anything meaningful with these devices that it ships every single year. So for example, it will talk about how the MacBooks use recycled aluminum, but actually that really has a very minor impact on anything and uh, you know there's so much recycled aluminum it's like the least they can do but when it comes to reclaiming something like a phone's battery or the chips in a phone or, or all these little components apple along with many other manufacturers doesn't necessarily do a whole lot in that realm and it doesn't really have a good system in place to be getting a lot of these old devices back from consumers when they buy you know the new iPhone every year 
Um, some people take their devices back to the Apple store and then hopefully Apple does reclaim some materials there and take certain things back. But if you don't take it back to the Apple store, um, there is not necessarily a lot the company can do. And, and so when you think about sustainability, there is actually not a whole lot of effort from companies like Apple to really be doing a whole lot with these devices that it's shipping every single year. And then on top of that, they also actively lobby against legislation that may reduce waste and help people extend the lives of their gadgets, right? That's right. So there's a major issue called right to repair, which has been it's been an issue for years, and it's really gaining some momentum. Actually, just um, yesterday, the FTC released a report recommending more consumer protections in this arena. Essentially, right to repair orbits around the idea that independent repair shops and not the ones that are authorized by Apple or Samsung or whatever should be able to get you know schematic information from a company like Apple so that they know what connects to what and they know how to repair a device like the iPhone or a MacBook and they're able to order parts from companies like Apple and Samsung and these electronics companies lobby against this legislation because they profit from these repair shops that they anoint as authorized and they also feel that you know they want to protect quote unquote trade secrets. They don't want to reveal how these devices fit together, even though a trained repair person would be able to reverse engineer that stuff anyway. They want it as locked down as possible. And so they have invested over you know a number of years at this point, they've invested in lobbying efforts that really are designed to push back against this right to repair legislation that would help consumers make their devices last longer. Well, we have a lot more to discuss with you, which we're going to do right after the break. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hi, I'm Robert Sex Reese, host of the Dr. Sex Reese Show. And every episode, I listen to people talk about their sex and intimacy issues. And yes, I despise every minute of it. I yeah. mean, she, she made mistakes too. Right? That's I mean, true. She, she did she, kill everyone at her wedding. But hell is real, we're all trapped here, and there's nothing any of us can do about it. So join me, won't you? Listen to the Dr. Sex Re Show every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back. 
we're talking with Damon Barris about technology and sustainability. So we're talking about how there's this movement to really push for the ability to repair and upgrade items rather than just replace them with the next newest thing. Can you explain what they're doing in France? Yes. So France recently introduced something called a repairability index or a repairability score that you'll see when you're purchasing a device like the iPhone on Apple's website. Every manufacturer now has to present the consumer with a number that indicates how repairable a given device is. So in a lot of cases, Apple devices score in like the 70s because the devices like the iPhone are often kind of bolted shut with special screws that most consumers can open up. A lot of the components are glued in, and so you need specialized equipment to kind of pull these things out and replace something like the battery, for example. And in introducing this repairability index, France is actually giving the consumer information that they might use to decide, hey, you know what? I really want a device that's going to last a little bit longer or be able to uh, be repaired when things go wrong. And we don't really have anything like this in the United States. So consumers don't really have this information at their fingertips when they're shopping for a new device if they need to replace their smartphone or their laptop for any reason. We're missing this information here unless you go to a specialized website like iFixit, for example, which will help you understand how repairable your electronics are. And in many cases, they very much are not fixable uh, at all. Yeah. So let's talk about actual solutions. You say Apple is going to have to be the one leading the charge on this, but what would that look like? The reason I say that a company like Apple really needs to lead the charge is because they are so progressive in so many different ways. And it just seems so strange that this is one arena where they kind of refuse to budge. What really needs to happen, I think, is for states to adopt this rights to repair legislation that will help consumers ensure that their devices last as long as possible and will force a company like Apple to make this information and make parts available to independent shops or any individual who wants to get access to this information. I think that that kind of law is really going to be the thing that helps there be some actual movement in this regard and helps technology last a little bit longer. In an ideal world, I think a company like Apple would say, you know what? We put out this environmental report every year. We talk so much about sustainability. It's really the right thing to do to make our iPhones and MacBooks, et cetera, as repairable as possible. Let's maybe, you know, the thing could be maybe a few millimeters thicker if it means that it's easier for a consumer to open it up and pop a battery out and make the thing last longer. Of course, that also means that a company like Apple isn't necessarily going to profit as much from an annual upgrade upgrade cycle, which is, you know, part of the reason why they fight against this stuff. But that's what's going to need to happen in order for these devices to last longer and be fundamentally more sustainable. And I'm curious because there's another aspect at play here. Do you think there's a way to change the aspect of human nature of always needing the newest and the best thing? Like there's a part of me that wonders, as long as they keep creating new iPhones, won't we just keep buying them? (laughs) 
Well, you know, you have a point about that. You certainly have a point. I mean, listen, I write about technology. I enjoy technology. I'm not some like, you know, Luddite sitting in some shack somewhere like, oh God, the phone is evil. Like, don't buy the phone. You know, no, I like the new iPhones. I like the new iPads, whatever. I understand the drive to have the new thing. But you have to keep in mind that for a long time, there was no such thing as a new iPhone every single year. It used to be that technology that like a, a phone or a computer, these things would come out or be updated every couple years or every few years. And we have allowed ourselves to kind of fall into this trap of these iterative updates that happen like clockwork every single year. And so for a consumer who really likes the new exciting thing, I think what they need to do is reflect a little bit and say, well, is the iPhone 12 actually fundamentally that different from the iPhone 11? And was that so different from the iPhone 10? And the answer is that not really. I mean, these devices have been quite similar to one another ever since the release of the iPhone 10 with Face ID. At least a lot of these phones essentially function in the same way and the cameras are maybe slightly better, but the design is, is similar. The functionality is similar. So for a consumer who does like the shiny new thing, I think it's simply worth interrogating how new and different is this update this year or can I actually wait another year? All that said, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think it's realistic to expect that consumers are going to be the ones who actually force this change simply by holding on to their phones for an extra couple of years because there's always going to be someone on an upgrade cycle in a given year. What really needs to happen is for there to be some pressure on these manufacturers to make a difference in how they produce these things. And sure, a consumer can take some responsibility and make sure that they're recycling a device properly, that they know how long it should last. And again, question, do I actually need this? But at the end of the day, I really think the core responsibility rests with the manufacturers. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today and just breaking all of this down. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today. Come back and join us on Monday. And remember, big tech is still a massive piece of shit. And also, if the space white is coming down with that rocket debris, drop it Stephen's way. Truly right on my house. <laughs> BuzzFeed Daily is produced by Dan Bauza, Alan Haberchak, Julia Karen, and Erica Nedinin. Special thanks to Samantha Hennig and Tommy Wesley. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. Peacock streaming the world's biggest sporting events, exclusive originals, and the latest movies. This February, we've got Super Bowl 56 and the 2022 Winter Olympics. Peacock Original Bel Air from executive producer Will Smith and Westbrook Studios. Damn! Plus tons of new movies every week, including Marry Me, starring Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson. In theaters and streaming only on Peacock, Valentine's Day. With all this and so much more to love, sign up now at PeacockTV.com. I'm Colleen Witt. 
join me, the host of Eating While Broke podcast, while I eat a meal created by self-made entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities over a meal they once ate when they were broke. Today, I have the lovely AJ Crimson, the official princess of Compton, Asia. Kidding, and Asia. This is The Professor. We're here on Eating While Broke, and today I'm going to break down my meal that got me through a time when I was broke. Listen to Eating While Broke on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The new year is a great time to reset your relationship with your emotions. We all experience things that don't feel so good. Stuff like sadness, anxiety, burnout, and guilt. But in 2022, I want to help you look at these emotions in a new light. I'm Dr. Lari Santos. In the new season of my podcast, The Happiness Lab, I'll show you that the path to happiness actually involves embracing your negative emotions and listening to the important things they have to say. So listen to The Happiness Lab in the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 